Welcome to the Living by Faith podcast. My name is Josh DeGroat. This is episode number nine. Thanks for checking it out. This is a podcast where I take a look at some news items, theology, and history, all from the perspective of the Christian's life of faith in Jesus Christ. Let's jump in. There's so much to talk about, but I want to spend a bit of time talking today and addressing what I think is just an astounding example of hypocrisy and why I think we're seeing it. So we need to take a step back and think through some things. First, the George, George Floyd situation. George Floyd, if you remember, was the black man who was unjustly killed at the hands of a white police officer named Derek Chauvin, I think that's how you say his last name, who pinned him to the ground with his knee on, with his knee on Floyd's neck for nine minutes, which left Floyd lifeless, and he ended up dying. There's almost universal outrage when the video went viral. In fact, I didn't hear one person suggest that the officer was justified in his use of force. People were calling for justice, and guess what happened? The wheels of justice began turning. Derek Chauvin was charged with third-degree murder, later, which was later upgraded to second-degree second murder, and the other three officers were all charged with being accomplices in some way in the murder. It's almost, but when this happened, it's almost as if people were surprised with such unanimity on the situation. It's almost like they thought, my goodness, we can't actually agree that George Floyd was murdered, can we? Well, almost everyone did from the video evidence. But amazingly, how did people respond? Well, they responded with protests, which are fine. But often the protests turned riotous. There were riots. Businesses were set on fire. Stores were looted. People were harassed, people were assaulted, and in some cases, people were killed by lawless mobs, supposedly in the name of justice for George Floyd. Of course, not everyone was engaged in these activities, but many were. And here's where the hypocrisy comes in. And the air is so thick with hypocrisy. But let's just look at one aspect of it. Do you remember that COVID-19 thing? You know, the pandemic that shut down the American economy, kept many of us homebound for weeks on end, and has damaged countless lives for years to come. Remember when gatherings over 10 were ill-advised and in some cases outlawed? Remember when outdoor restaurants were labeled dangerous gatherings? Well, apparently the demonstrations with hundreds or even thousands of protesters were no problem. More to the point for Christians, church gatherings were deemed non-essential. In California, even now, the limit has been set at 25% capacity or 100 people for churches, whichever's less. So if you have a church that can, that, that can seat 100, if the capacity is 100, you can have 25 people come. But if the capacity is 3,000 for a church, guess how many can come? 100. Not 25%, but 100. And yet, you look at the pictures of these protest demonstrations, many of which turned lawless and riots, and what do you see? Thousands of people gathered together without any concern of social distancing or keeping hands to themselves or anything like that. And in many cases, many instances, the leaders of these cities or states do nothing. And worse, often they approve. In Los Angeles alone, these, there have been large demonstrations, but in the city of Los Angeles, they, they've had some of the most draconian uh, shutdown uh, edicts put out by the mayor of any city in the United States. It's the second largest, I think the second largest city in America. 
And it, there, there's one example where a skate park, the city of Los Angeles wanted to make sure no one went to an outdoor skate park. So what did they do? They put a bunch of sand in it. They, the, the, the city workers filled it with sand so no kid would dare go to this outdoor sta- skate park. And yet, when there were these demonstrations, this far-left radical mayor went among the people at the demonstrations, gathered together with them, and in an act of what I can only describe as homage, paying homage to Black Lives Matter, bowed his knees among a group of demonstrators who gathered around him, and a couple of them even laid hands on him. I mean, you can't make this up. The public gathering of God's people for worship is out. Thousands of people protesting and rioting is no problem. And the leaders who say on the one hand, God's people cannot gather for worship. On the other hand, they're saying these large gatherings are fine. In fact, they themselves will go and participate in them. These leaders are calling for obedience and allegiance that is reserved for God alone. So we got to ask the question, what is going on here? And I'm just going to be honest. I believe we are being played. We know that there are some who see any and all crises as opportunities to enact their agendas. The governor of California, Gavin Newsom, has said as much. He said this this COVID-19 pandemic is going to give us an opportunity to govern differently. Of course, COVID-19 is real, right? People are really getting sick from it. Many people have really died from it. I think there's a question as to how many and how bad it actually is. But it's real. And of course, racism still exists. But if a pandemic can be used as a means of exerting more control over a populace in order to put in place certain economic and social policies, some leaders are clearly eager to help things move in that direction. And if racial tensions can be inflamed in order to bring about revolutionary change, some are eager to help that along. And it's done out of a hatred, I would suggest, out of the, it's, it's done out of a hatred for the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord. Not just Lord of Christians' hearts, he is Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus himself, upon rising from the dead, said, all authority is mine in heaven and on earth. Jesus is Lord, not the, not the United States government, not state and local government. So what should we as Christians do? Well, more needs to be said, and I hope to say more about this in future episodes. But a place to start is we need to rest in the fact that God is not mocked. Those who thumb their nose at God and his rule and his law will not get very far. God is not mocked. God stands and will judge those who mock him. He is not mocked. But there's something else we need to do. And uh, this is this is something I, I think with all seriousness, even though it might sound like it's not a very serious thing. We need to laugh. Let me explain. In Psalm chapter 2, there's, a, there's this scene of the rulers of the world plotting against God, declaring how they're going to break free from his rule. 
which if you think about it, is a really funny picture to think of. Little human beings on earth wagging their fist at God, telling him how they're going to break free from his, from being under his lordship and rule. But what does God do in Psalm 2 with these rulers rising up against God? What does he do? He laughs at them. He laughs. He laughs at these rulers, these puny little human beings. That's all they are as human beings. And so taking God's perspective, we need to laugh. I think it was Martin Luther who said, we need to begin la- we need to start laughing at what God laughs at, something like that. We need to laugh at these vain attempts of God haters because they are unwittingly doing his bidding. God will work out his purposes even through God haters thinking they are undoing God's work. God is working out his purpose even now and we should praise his name and we should begin laughing at what he laughs at. The next section is what I call the catechesis section. For centuries, Christians gave themselves to the practice of learning the doctrines of the Christian faith by way of a catechism. The word catechesis simply means to orally, uh, to teach orally or instruct by word of mouth. And I'm a firm believer that this is a practice that's sorely missed in our day. I think there's a lot of doctrinal ignorance among Christians and that the church would benefit tremendously by taking up this practice again. And so I want to do my part by promoting it um, and encouraging you to do the same. Um, So what I'm doing is I'm making my way through a modern catechism called the New City Catechism. What it does is it takes, borrows from uh, several ancient tried and true uh, confessions of faith and creeds, and puts them all in one with modern vernacular, New City Catechism. You can download it for free on your phone, the app for it, it's, and I would highly recommend you do. And there's a children's mode. If you download the app, there's a children's mode, so you can have longer or shorter answers uh, f- for you and your kids, uh, respectively. So what I'm going to do is, uh, today I'm going to cover question and answer number nine. Question number nine And answer number nine, question is, what does God require in the first, second, and third commandments? Answer, first, that we know and trust God as the only true and living God. Second, that we avoid all idolatry and do not worship God improperly. And third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence, honoring also his word and works. The true God revealed in the Bible and made known in the person and work of Jesus Christ, is the creator of all things. Now, left to ourselves, we reject the God who made us and make for ourselves gods that we want. The kind of gods we can put in our back pockets and take them out when we feel like it and manipulate to our own whims. But when the Holy Spirit makes spiritually dead people alive in Christ, that's called the new birth, Our hearts are awakened to the glory of God. We're awakened to the God who is, the God who actually exists. And we turn from our idols and turn to God. We turn from idols of our own making and turn to the true and living God who is. And so as Christians, we are to know God, approach God, and worship God in light of who he is. This is what pleases him as laid out in the first 
three commandments. First, that God alone would be known and trusted. Second, that we would avoid idolatry, whether in physical form or our imagination, and worship God acceptably. And third, that we would honor the God, the name of God as Jesus taught us, even in the Lord's Prayer. Remember when Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he said, pray this way, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is a prayer that God's name would be honored in our hearts and lives. The scripture that goes with question and answer number nine is Deuteronomy 6, 13, and 14. And it says, it is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people's around you. In the history section, I want to tell you a remarkable story that ought to challenge you and I as followers of of the Lord Jesus Christ to give thanks in all things because, because God is always working for the good of those who love him, always, without question. It's a story of how fleas became a gift from God for the benefit of those in a German concentration camp. It's a story of Corey and Betsy Tenboom. You probably have heard of Corey Tenboom. Well, her sister's name was Betsy. These two women, along with their dad, were courageous Christians who helped to hide Jews from the Nazis in Holland during World War II. After the sisters were arrested for their activities in hiding Jews, they were sent to Ravensbrück, a German concentration camp. Just as soon as Corey and Betsy were settled in, they discovered that their barracks were crawling with fleas. When they recognized the place was crawling with fleas everywhere, Corey cried out, how can we possibly live in a place like this? Betsy began praying. Uh, Betsy began praying as soon as, as soon as Corey cried that out and then was reminded of the scripture that they had read earlier that morning. The scripture was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and the, the passage that came to her mind specifically was verse 18, which says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. And so they began giving thanks to God. Of course, Betsy was convinced that this is what they were to do. This is how they were to obey God in the present circumstances. Corey wasn't so sure, but they began giving thanks. Corey was reluctant, but they first started giving thanks that they were together, that they were able to stay together, that they were put in Ravensbrück together. They weren't separated. They also began giving thanks for the crowded, uncomfortable barracks that they were placed in. But then Betsy said something that took Corey by surprise, and it was too much for her. Betsy continued and said, thank you for the fleas. Now, Corey cut her sister off and said, Betsy, there's no way that even God can make me grateful for a flea. Betsy corrected Corey and said, give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so they stood between the stacks of bunks, crowded by other people in in these uncomfortable barracks, in barracks crawling with fleas, and they gave thanks for the fleas. Well, later when Betsy had become sick and weakened, she was not required to go out and perform hard labor like Corey was. Instead, she stayed in the barracks and knitted socks for the guards. 
the Nazi guards. Amazingly, along with knitting socks, Betsy had such freedom that she was able to spend much of her time reading the Bible to other prisoners in the barracks. And she eventually understood why she had been given such freedom and was, and was able to do this undetected, read the scriptures aloud to other prisoners undetected. One day there was confusion among uh, the women knitting socks about the sock sizes and so forth, and so they called a supervisor to come in and settle it. But the supervisor wouldn't take one step in the barracks, and the Nazi guards wouldn't either. You might ask, why? Well, because they knew the place was crawling with fleas. In fact, the supervisor told Betsy, there's no way I'm coming in this, these barracks. The place is crawling with fleas. Betsy's Bible study and evangelism were allowed to continue and spread undeterred because of the fleas. And Betsy all of a sudden realized, in fact, I think if I remember right, Corey came back from from labor that day and Betsy's face was just beaming and Corey knew something had happened. Well, obviously that, that, that uh, event showed Betsy why there were those fleas. The fleas were actually a good gift from God for his purposes, for the good of his people, and for his own glory. It's such a good reminder for us that God truly is sovereign. It's not just that he has a big plan and will make it work with the unfortunate details he's dealt with. God is at work in the details. And so you and I can give thanks in all circumstances. We can As James 1 says, we can count it all joy when we endure trials of various kinds. And we live at a time right now when it appears the world is unraveling. And yet, if we can give thanks to God, if we can trust that God is up to something, we we can give thanks to God, we can trust that God is up to something, even if we can't see it right now. So, let's always give thanks, always and in every circumstance, and live faithful, obedient lives to Jesus Christ, our King. Thanks again for listening to the Living by Faith podcast. If you found it helpful, please subscribe, like, and share with a friend. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all.